Welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and I have a guest today, and it'll be a shocker that it's not Big Chris. It's actually my new neighbor, Vinny, and uh, been wanting to get him on. We're mostly probably going to talk about duck hunting, some fishing, because um, right now duck hunting technically kicked off, but I don't know if you'd consider it kicked off. <laughs> no, the uh, field season's the warm-up, so I don't necessarily call it a kick off until till big duck opens up especially since we don't have any teal so from what i've been hearing there's teal nowhere south because i talked to a guy from texas last night and i asked him and i was like how y'all did and he's like i saw six birds all day long well nate the one i'm uh nate from falling, falling tides they went uh to what was it south of here they went to uh venice no not to venice um Point Lahash. Point Lahash. Point yeah. Lahash. They've been killing some birds. So been getting the 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 passers, the ones that are going down that flight path down the river. Yeah. So let's get you to introduce yourself. Talk about how you got into you know hunting, fishing, basically the general outdoors. Well, uh, you know, my dad and my family was always in the the outdoor stuff. So we had a camp up in Mississippi that we go to every weekend. Did a little hunting. Did a little fishing. Um. When I was real young, I had my grandpa had a camp on a school bus canal out of Lafitte, and uh, my uncle used to take me. I mean, everybody. We all went fishing with my family, and then duck hunting kind of came in when I joined the fire department about five or so years ago. Uh, my buddy Spencer over there got me hooked on it, and then I've been been poor ever since. Cause, uh, you know. Yeah, there's and there's another thing that you do, and uh, you want to talk about trapping a little bit? How you got involved with that? Well, I always wanted to trap. I've been actually I'm watching YouTube videos. I came across some trapping videos a couple of times, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I'd like to get into that. And then it wasn't until I moved down here to Lafitte that I had a a spot that I could kind of do it. So uh, you and I went and took that uh wildlife and fisheries class, that free class, which is awesome. And I've been hooked up ever since. I can't stop, no. Yeah, I mean, and to me, trapping is the next step from hunting because it's like you sit there and you look at it and it's like, all right, I know I can get this animal within 50 feet of here, but can I get him to step on this two-by-two-inch right. two square that I need him to step on? Well, yeah, and that, uh, <laughs> that camera that we put up showed that. We caught that one coyote on it and then after that we couldn't get the coyote to come close we kept getting this i got his head in the camera where you need sniff or, or whatever but i couldn't get him to go back yeah and then or that otter that the video of the otter yeah. where it, it well, jumped he, the he, trap. he got the trap he, he set it off so he was in the right spot we got him to it even though that wasn't a target species but i mean don't get me wrong i wanted to trap him but, <laughs> but he, he snuck right out of that all right so we're gonna go into waterfowl hunting here and so for you What's the big difference between teal and duck season? <laughs> it's hot during teal season. <laughs> I kill more mosquitoes than teal. That's what the difference is. So uh, they called me a bougie hunter after I went with them. Uh, when was that? The day after we went. Because I, I came out, I had a thermosel hanging. I had, a, had my little fan hanging. Oh, you got to go with a thermosel. <laughs> I mean, we had three of them rolling, just you and me. But, and uh, then they were still circling like buzzards when we opened that blind up. They were all above my head. Well, what was comical is when the thermocells, so it's like we get there, we get all the decoys set up. We we go to pull our thermocells out. I like mine. And they're looking for theirs in the boat. 
and they have the refills and everything and no, no thermos. <laughs> oh no. No, you gotta have a thermosel this time of year. If not a bucket of spray. And then so like when you're now tactic wise, how does your tactics change from teal season to big duck season and then even in big duck season? Uh I don't I don't really have a set tactic for teal. I mean, like I said, it's a lot of times it's just a dry run because I don't expect to see I mean where we hunt the, I mean, the place that we hunted, we got it holds teal teal year round, but it don't really they don't really get there during teal season. It seems like you'll get a couple trickling in, but it's not until big duck that the teal come in there. But uh, in that area, I like to find them, them grass mats. You know, like grass growing up, and uh, either throw the decoys kind of in that thick grass or right on the edge because they seem to want to go in there and feed uh, every time. At least every time I see them, we'll kick up a bunch in them little. You know, I mean it's. You can see water in the grass, but the grass is still sticking up out the water. It's so it's so thick. Yeah, and of course, you know, the dog's going to be oh, yeah. like, she make the most noise she made all day. She wants to be part of the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, and then I know, like, I know a bunch of guys that once the second split comes, definitely, they just, they stop throwing, like, mojos, and they, they try to make their spread smaller and more. Well, that that is something, is the mojo. I'll put, a, um, I got my teal mojo. I definitely put a spinner out during teal season and i, I want to get i have a big uh a big hen mallard hen um mojo but i don't usually put it out because i've seen it flare ducks but i want to get one with a remote that way you can try it out see what they're doing turn it off turn it on and, and you can actually get to mess with it because i mean you know where we hunt the mud's so soft you sink up to your chest in the mud but some of them places you see on on youtube or whatever they can walk out there and adjust their spread at will but it ain't that easy for us well yeah so like i was talking to a guy that went to the delta for open week in a teal and i was like man you got a push pole in and everything he's like no the bottom's hard and i was like do what he's like all the sand from the river gets deposited and he says no it might be over your head in some of the ponds right but it's all hard bottom you yeah. like struggle to no, walk I don't hunt nowhere like that <laughs> um but then so when it comes to duck hunting Let's talk about gun selection. Like, what would, for a new hunter coming out the door, they want to get into it, what would be the gun that you would recommend? 870. Well, they don't, well, they do make them anymore. They don't make my gun anymore. It's I a, mean, that's, it's cheap and reliable. Yeah, and, I mean, you've heard on the last podcast we talked about that we've put them through to- torture, uh, the torture test. Yep. <laughs> And I've never had an issue besides bad bad shells. It wasn't the gun's fault. Uh, yeah, no. If you're if you're getting started, I mean that's a, a cheap way to make. First of all, make sure you like it. Make sure that's what you want to do before you go spend a lot of money on the gun. And uh, you know you can drop it. You can use it as a paddle. You can <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you need to do to get in and out. And you won't hurt your feelings if you get it uh you know, all messed up. So uh, let's talk about sh- like so when you're. You're going, you're going hunt ducks. What size shot do you bring with you? Uh, teal, like a uh, between four and six, and then big duck. Uh, my preference is two, a two shot. So, so you're more so basically as this, or the bigger duck, the bigger the shot. Is oh yeah. Um, which is actually the lower the shot because it's the number. Yeah, yeah. lower the number, the bigger the shot. <laughs> uh. And then I know, like, you're like me. You carry double B in the 
boat somewhere for Dutra. <laughs> yeah, well, I had, I had the triple B because I went up to uh, when I went up to Kansas. I'm thinking big, big geese. Let's get the biggest round. Come to find out, they all they do is shoot number two for everything, ducks and geese. So I had a whole case. Uh, you know, I didn't shoot the whole case when I went up there, so I still got some from two seasons ago. That uh, that and that's what I keep it for the Nutra. Yeah. I don't, don't want to be shooting teal with triple B and <laughs> ground meat. So, so when we went uh, on Wednesday after our hunt, one of the guys we were with, we're all shooting three inch, you know. Uh, Chris's gun can't even take three and a half. But the other dude that we're with is like, oh, I got a couple three and a half of the birds that are out there that I don't want to work in. <laughs> Reach out and touch them. <laughs> so, so we're sitting there, and I'm sitting in the front of the boat in the little swivel seat with his blind. And, uh, which, by the way, I like your blind way more than his because it's so much simpler. What's he, what he's got? He's got that, he's got uh, the Drake. The Drake. Yeah, I was gonna the get one that. that the sides pop up and then you set the top on. I was gonna get that, but they had bad reviews on it. So. The it's it's a lot more cumbersome to set up in the dark. Like if you don't know what you're doing, right? Like they're trying to explain to me, and I'm like, I don't understand. Like what do I have to push out? No, mine. You just grab and flip, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, it's ready to and then also it kind of protects you out of the mosquitoes because yeah. once you get them thermocells riding in there, yeah, mosquitoes ain't coming in. Right, you fill it up with thermocells. Um. And then when it gets cold, you fill that sucker up with your buddy heater. It'll be but, nice yeah. and toasty. But yeah, so he hands me his gun. Who's got? He's like, here, I'm gonna put a three and a half with a full choke on it, an extended full choke. And there's a gallon. It's probably at 45, 50 yards out. And I'm like, he's like, put the bead right over his head. And uh, we all joked. I said, if I'd had the shot cam on that one, it'd have been that uh, meme that's going around. Oh, is that Melanie? That's a shave. I really like Melanie. <laughs> So, I mean, it just, that bird rolled, and then we had to make sure the hawk wasn't going to try to get the bird after. I was about to say that, because uh, <clears throat> first time I went out to teal hunting that, that piece of land, uh, my buddy told me, he's like, during teal season, you got to go get them as soon as you shoot them, or the alligators will come take them. So, I had taken uh, my buddy Spence out, uh, not not Spencer, the one that took me to hunt, but mm -hmm. my buddy Spence from church. I took him out. And uh, you know, of course, we seen uh, we seen a couple teal that that uh that season that was during teal season, but uh we didn't get any shots on them, so we shot a couple galanoo, and I just let them out there because I didn't see any alligators around. And then the next thing you know, it wasn't an alligator, but a bald eagle came down and swooped it up, and took off with it. Well, why did you tell them? I don't know if it was Spence or uh, somebody else that asked them about accidentally shooting the bald. No, that was my buddy Dean. Yeah, we got. <laughs> We, the wildlife just came doing their checks. They checked us, and he asked them, "What happens if you accidentally shoot a bald eagle?" That was a uh, that was fun. I still mess with him about that. But uh, so, and then, what do you do for like choke selection? Is it just? I got a kicks high fire, full choke, cause uh, cause my buddy Spencer had one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really know, and that's the only thing. I've, I mean, I've only used that. Um, I've never patterned my gun, so honestly, I don't. You know, I don't know how great it is or not. Maybe that might be my whole problem while I miss birds. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. But uh, I'd like to try the Carlson, Carlson Cremator, and then pattern my gun with both of them and try and see. But yeah. I like a full choke. He might hit less, but I want to force myself to get better, not just you know. So with choke selection, I, I put a modified in mind because we went shoot skeet the day before mm -hmm. that me and you went hunting. I was like. I want the best chance to hit these skeet. Well, we go out there, and I forgot to change the choke when me and you went hunting. I was like, eh, whatever. You know, it probably won't help that much. 
well, when we started shooting at birds the next day, you would watch the pellets just go all around the bird. And they just go. And the bird, like, yeah. looks around. It's like, what was that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he would just, they would take off running. It would be like, we called it the lucky BB theory. Like, I would shoot three times at a bird, or once sometimes, and it would be like a lucky BB would just strike him just right, and he would fall over. But uh, I had a lot more connections after I switched to the guy that took us was like, I'm driving the boat. I don't have a loaded gun. You know, we're doing Galanoo where you coast in after you kill the motor, let the boat stop, and then shoot them while they're on the water. Right. Um, which I'm not proud. Of, or I'm not going to say I'm too proud to shoot birds <laughs> on the water. <laughs> because, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. And guess what? I came home with 11 gizzards, so. And yeah, Galanoo's are meat birds for sure. They're not, uh, not trophies. But, uh, and then, so let's talk about fishing. You said, you know, you've been fishing your whole life. What's your favorite species and why? Oh, that's right, fish, hands down, because they taste the best. Well, they don't taste the best. I mean, let me, let me rephrase that. Probably sockeye and, and flounder probably taste the best. But next to them, I like redfish because I like how the, the meat is like a... I don't know, I guess a tougher meat. You could do a lot more with it without it falling apart. And then just pound for pound the way they fight. It's, uh, I just love it. I mean, I know we don't have them here. And if I ever get the chance, I'll go... Well, I don't know if I'd say I'd do specifically for that. But if I ever go to Alaska, I'm going fish halibut. It oh, is yeah. the... It's like the... Like they called tuna the chicken of the sea. Whoever called it that has never eaten halibut. Because like, you take a bite in a halibut, and it's like almost biting into a chicken nugget when it's yeah, fried. It's, just a really big flounder. <laughs> um, and then, so what's your favorite way to target redfish? With a fishing pole. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, just the artificial bait. I'm not. I mean, I grew up only fishing with shrimp, under a corker on the bottom, just dead shrimp. Same that's here. The, that's that's how I grew up fishing. And shoot, it wasn't until, I mean. I don't even remember when, but it was a while before I ever tried artificial. And then once I hooked in with a moving bait, hooked the redfish, and you feel that yank back on it, that was it. So I don't even mess with, unless that's the only thing I can get them to bite on and I'm taking somebody else who's new to fishing, I don't even mess with with, with bait. I just use the uh, artificial lures. So what's funny about you say you only ever use dead shrimp under a cork or on bottom? We were... uh. I went the first time I ever went fishing with Chris. He took me out and he makes fun of me to this day because I had a Zepco 33. Like this is <laughs> this is before the channel started, right? And then once I started the channel, I really started getting into the gear side right. of it, this and that, and targeting them. That's because you didn't want people making fun of you when, <laughs> uh, with your Zepco. <laughs> but to this day, he still makes fun of me with that Zepco. But I, until that day, I never used artificial. Like it just it wasn't a thing and still like to this day we'll buy stuff from my grandpa and he's got it all like he's got a leaning post in his bay boat that is probably three and a half four foot wide two foot deep you know six eight inches on height filled with matrix shad voodoo shrimp everything everything you can think of he's got it there and he'll still put like a jig head with a shrimp on it (laughs) and what's funny though is I'm sure you fished that way too 
everybody, all them old timers like that had their favorite color jigget. You know, <laughs> like, oh, the white fish is the best. The red fish is the best. This, <laughs> it's like... yeah, we used to. Um, the only thing about fishing a dead shrimp, I mean, you'll catch fish, but it might not be the fish you want. You know, them daggum hardheads. But, uh, I mean, we used to go out with with some shrimp and just fill a boat up with sheepheads. We hit one, you hit a sheephead hole, and they just yeah, one after another. You know, and that's what we were talking about is that with me, I, my grandpa had a spot, and we actually talk, we talked about it when we went on the tagging, when we went to tag redfish. He had a spot you could sit there five years ago and every single cast pull in a redfish. Now, it may be 13 inches, it may be 28 inches. Right. It just depends, you know, it vary on size depending on type of year and all of that. And, when we went do them tagging trips, that it was brutal. Like what we had three, four hookups the entire day mm-hmm. and only two made it to the boat. Yep. That was a tough day. And so I think it's getting to be that time of year too where it gets tough. It's the in the summer. Right there at the end of summer and it's just been hot for so long that it it I don't know, they start getting tough. That's all fish, not just, you know, redfish bass. Yeah, like um that weekend when I fished that tournament and caught that 19, 18 and a half, 19 inch speck, it was like I pit pulled one. Everybody got super excited because normally specks, for people that don't fish them a lot, a speckled trout will normally stay in a school about the same size as him. And, it's, and I think it's because they're all around the same age. Yeah, they just grow together. Yeah, they grow together so they just stay in the same school and they don't venture away. I pulled that one trout out. Everybody got super excited, and I could not duplicate it. Hey, he's just a lone ranger. <laughs> but that's the thing too. Like the they, I watched this study on the redfish they published, and like in the last three years, they went from like 1.2 million redfish landed in Louisiana, then it went to 1.1, and then in 2020, with all the people fishing, you would have thought it had been like two, like in the two millions, it was like 789,000 redfish. Hmm. So they're definitely on a decline, and what causes that is probably about eighty factors. But right, you know, yeah, everybody wants to blame one thing, but it's yeah, it's definitely. So besides targeting redfish, do you have another favorite technique of fishing, like species, or no, no, like just the technique to fish? Like if you're you're going back of the canals behind our house, and you want to, you do you have a favorite technique you like to throw? Oh, top water. Top water, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't care what kind of top water, just top water. I love seeing them blow up. There's nothing like that. Nothing like it. I like a good walking bait. See, I don't know, man. It's hard to pick just one because I like a walking bait because you got that zigzag side to side, and then you start kind of hypnotizing yourself with it, and then all of a sudden you get that big splash and break. It scares the crap out of you. I, I love that. But then the same thing, it does the same thing with like the, the plopper style baits too. You know, blah, 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 blah. sound effects for you. Yeah. I probably should uh, go back you on that one that. and yeah. save that sound, <laughs> sound effect. <laughs> Is that a jet roar? <laughs> nope. That's a fish hitting a bait. But uh, so, yeah. I mean, like with me, it it's whatever's catching fish that day. And learning new techniques, I think, if when I learn it, how to fish a certain way, that like that's my favorite way of doing it. Right. There's no other way I want to fish until I get really good at it. Um, one of the things that you taught me was never would have thought about it was the weedless swim bait hooks. Oh yeah, With, those things are it, fantastic. It's like 
so I remember we were fishing in uh, Delacro, Hopedale, somewhere down there. Man, I ain't and, telling nobody my spot. I mean, if <laughs> that's not really a spot, that's a, that's a general area. Uh, but so we were fishing down there, and I remember you were casting like way up on the grass flats, mm-hmm. and I was like, I "Wish I could do that." And, yep. and then like that day, I went and bought a whole pack of. <laughs> oh yeah, they're expensive, man, but they work. They um, they give you so much more versatility when you're out there. You can. Don't have to worry about it, because yeah. I mean, you can drag it across grass under logs. And it's not gonna get hung up. Well, like them. So, not to name drop anything, and not to say it's a better hook than another one, but the Berkeley Fusions. I went to Walmart, and that's the only ones they had. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna buy these. It's at, like ten dollars for three of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, guess I'm buying these. But uh, we went fish Labor Day weekend underneath the lights for small speckled trout, mm-hmm. and I was throwing a a matrix shad or a cage like one of the little shad swims whether it was matrix or mad minnow the only problem with that technique is if you fish it on a regular jig head a matrix shad will last you all day long almost oh, yeah. fishing when you throw it on the on them swim bait hooks like that every time like you hit a de- decent fish my phone's vibrating <laughs> but every time a decent fish hits it it rips the tail out so like the the bait's gone. Right. I think I just need to get smaller hooks. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Cause the those matrix shad aren't that long. So if you got if you got one of them big like five out swim bait hooks, yeah. it's gonna you're hooking it past where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I think it's like a three or a four. But yeah. and um, but yeah, what I really like about that when you put it on a mad minnow is they got that little pocket little on the keeper, top. Yeah. yeah, so it's like it keeps the below to where to push everything off. Let's talk about brackish water fishing because I know it's pretty unique for this area. The the way we, especially you, I've tried to fish back there and ain't caught a fish. But because <laughs> you're bad luck, man. <laughs> I'm telling saying you, it. I'm telling you, I'm just gonna start bringing bananas with me, even though I don't eat them. That just... might work opposite. <laughs> so you want to talk about? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I guess we can. Oh no, no. um, I don't know what you want to know about it. I tell you. So like like explain like what's the thrill of fishing around here? Oh, I love it because I'll go out to go bass fishing, and you know you start you catch a couple bass here and there, and you know they hit it. It's like oh that's great because we don't have any big bass in yeah. brackish water. I mean they I haven't seen anything. Uh, you might find a three, and that'd be about the same thing as hitting like a seven pounder somewhere else. And then, but you're hitting those bass, and the next thing you know, you feel a tug, and it starts pulling drag, and then that's when you know that ain't a bass, and that big old redfish comes swimming, and that's that's one of the things I like too is you don't know if they're in there or not when you're fishing for bass. Sometimes they just surprise you. Like when I caught them back there in those canals, I didn't I didn't realize the redfish would have been that far up at that time, and they just you just never know what you're gonna catch uh, in brackish water. You can I mean just about anything, fresh and saltwater species. Yeah, it's definitely uh, Hope Dale. Hope, like I said, Hope Dale or Delacro, whichever one it was, and that was the first time I've ever seen a bass, a speckled trout, and a redfish all come out of a. I mean, within two miles of each other. Oh yeah, down there, I've, I've they got a pond down there that I fish not far from the marina. That um, that I'll I'll do that. I'll pull all three species out of there and and see other ones and uh. Got to watch that right now though, because duck season a lot of got a lot of leases right <laughs> right in it. I don't think that pond is a lease. 
at the other end of it, they they used to have a blind there, but you pass a lease while you're going through there, and it'll sound like Vietnam rolling through there if there's duck. Is that the uh, doggone pond where uh, Whalen decided he wanted? Yeah, that's the one when Whalen wanted to taste the uh, crankbait. I mean, it... that was a brand new crankbait too. <laughs> I think that was the uh, that was the arc. Yeah, it was weedless it, crankbait. It was right when because I remember you had got like the arc pencil bait or something yeah. the year before. Before, yeah, and that was the arc. And then, uh, that was the that was the next one they had put in the box, and you were so excited. And I don't think you made a cast with it, huh? I don't remember. I know, I know it broke two by two new rods that I got after the hurricane because I lost all my rods in the hurricane. So when it when it comes to like the as the seasons are changing, like we're kind of in that transition period now. How does your tactics change for targeting, whether it be redfish, bass, or because look, if you don't understand how redfish and bass eat, they eat exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, except for redfish are easier. Bass can get more finicky at times. I find redfish, if you put a bait in front of his mouth, he's going to bite it. I mean, I have, there have had been times where I've seen them just lay there and they wouldn't wouldn't take it. But I can count on one hand how many times that happened. Usually if I see a redfish, you can get him to bite. But a bass, bass can be picky. That's the biggest difference. But anything a bass will bite, a redfish will bite on. But I'll wait, I mean, for them cold fronts to come through. That's when them start targeting speckle trout because they start moving in shore but uh i mean here it, it changes but we don't really get cold enough a lot to change too much you know i mean there's a very short period of time i think that these fish go into winter mode unless it gets super cold and the water goes out then you can go find like that that redfish jubilee they call it and them deep holes where tons of redfish just yeah. stack up um I don't remember what time of year it was. It might, I think it was actually in the fall and the spring we've seen it. That uh, right off the beach of Grant of Fouchon, it would just be like thousands of bull reds. Just yeah. And you're like, this is cool, but we get, we got three people on the boat, so we can only catch three. Like, what what do you, you can only do? keep three? You can yeah, only you keep three. Catch them, yeah. But It'd be a good but time to catch and tag. Yeah, it w- but a lot of times what I find out is that. Like if once you start running up on them with a boat, even like with a trolling motor, the school keeps moving and moving and moving, trying mm-hmm. to get away from you. Yeah, they, that's the smarter fish. That's the ones that live long enough to get that big. Yeah, because they, uh, I mean, that's your breeding fish right there. But that so the, the two to three times I've seen it, it's like everybody on the boat caught one, and the school just disappeared. Gone. Like you couldn't find them. But uh, my dad had some, and I wish I could. I can view the video, but I can't upload it anywhere. Hmm. I can't, like, even... I would try to, like, convert the file, like, upload it to iTunes and convert it, but it's a video he made probably 10 years ago of, of that. And we're sitting in there, and you watch the redfish just swim as the school comes towards you. Then you realize there's jack mixed with shark, and Jesus. they're all chasing pogey at this point. Right, they're all chasing the same bait. Yeah, too. but the the sharks are launching out of the water chasing it and it's like but it's like i don't know if i want to be in this school that's like true. you're gonna catch a shark and, and that's right off the beach of that thought, yeah so. right off the, like um so if you're familiar with the jetties out of fuchsia mm-hmm. they're quarter of a mile long go out of the jetties to the left to the right to the right and is that a dance yeah <laughs> <laughs> to the left, to the left. <laughs> you got you so you go off you go out of fuchsia once you clear the jetties take a right and they're all all down the 
beat they'll be down the beach just and you'll see them popping hmm. and you go in there and no matter what you throw at them like i had a spoon on my offshore rod which is 60 pound braid and all i'm saying is i listen to alex rudd talk to you and it and if the 80 pound braid is way too much mm-hmm. for anything in shore, I'm going offshore fishing, targeting. <laughs> Them guys use, uh, not a lot. Of, I know a lot of uh, guys use like 80 pound, 60 and 80 pound braid for like frog fishing. Like, yeah. Top water frogs. Cause they gotta, I mean, you gotta crank that suck a lot of times to get them hooks set. But I mean, bass fishing is a different world. Yeah. But that, when he said he uses 80 pounds on a frog, I don't remember if he said it on your podcast or if he said it on his video, but I was like, that that's not, like, normal for anything. Bass fishermen will do that for them frogs, man. Uh, I'm not... I don't fish with frogs too much because uh, uh, I mean, we don't have very big bass. So you, yeah. if you fish with a frog, it's going to be kind of a smaller frog to get they get more bites. And I went now I went to, like, Lake Geiger, which is in... Mississippi with my kayak and um, totally forgot the camera but I started off throwing a popper and I was like alright I'm going to go between popper and a blitz frog and if you've never used a blitz frog that, that's a that's a pretty cool bait in my opinion because you can it's a multi-use bait it's not like a buzz frog where you got to crank it or it's not like a hollow, hollow body the way you got to walk it you can walk it you can crank it make it yeah it's a, a good lot. hybrid yeah so but yeah, like you were saying, though, the seasons down here, I don't think, really affect. Like, when it gets middle of summer, hot. Yeah, this this time of year, I think the bass, especially bass, will be getting into that weird stage. Um, they're a little bit harder to figure out, at least for me. I mean, I'm you know I'm not a bass pro by any means, but the red, redfish. But you have won every bass tournament you entered. No, I've, okay, I've won every bass tournament I've fished in live i guess you could say because <laughs> i have tried a couple of those internet tournaments and never won them but but that that's what's crazy though is like we could fish here and catch a state re- or we can't even catch a state record because no they got some big fish in louisiana and the in the lakes yeah but, but just like this, here it's like tidal waters i i just haven't found any but i say that but they i forget how big that bass was they they he i think i don't even remember who was won the uh bass master tournament out there in the um by Katawachi in the tank pond. He caught a big old bass and I don't remember how big it was, but there's a guy out of the Zalmans or Bayou Gosh or somewhere over that way on the other side of Salvador that Louisiana sportsman over the summer did a write up on him. Cause like he's catching like three, four pound bass consistently in a kayak. Hmm. But he's getting in the spots that the bass boats, the boats don't, don't go, go. or yep. don't want to go to, you know. Cause even though like I have a nicer kayak I would put my kayak in places that I would never put a boat. Right. You know, because I could pull my drive out and be done with it. Oh, yeah, you can get it wherever you need it. So, let's talk about uh, trapping. Why you got into it. Uh, what's your favorite species to target? I know you've only been doing it like me for a little bit. We did so. one season. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, favorite species. Probably... I mean, I'd like, well, hopefully we can get to actually trap Nutra. That'll probably be my favorite just because of the meat. Um, I wish we had some beaver, then that would probably be my favorite because of the meat. I mean, I don't really have a favorite because... Let's see. 
I mean, I wouldn't mind. Like, I mean, I like trapping the coyotes, but I'm not trying to wipe out the population either. You know, we just want to do the management. So, I mean, a lot of the trapping is just predator control. So it's not, I don't know, it's not the same as hunting. I can't really pick a species. Yeah, it, it for me, like I said, trapping's more of, can I get this animal to step where I want it? You know, because like deer hunting, yeah, you got a 300-yard lane, 30 yards wide, and you got a rifle that, you know, will shoot as, all the way down it. It's not really the same as, yeah, you got to be out there when it happens, but trapping's like, I want you to step right here. Like, you could put your finger down where you need it to step. Um, it's definitely challenging. So you asked me this on your podcast. I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite boat snack, for whether you're going fishing or hunting? <laughs> well, the snack I had the other day was a, <laughs> a carb smart tortilla and some peanut butter, which, I mean, that works. But uh, uh, beef jerky, probably. Beef jerky and then uh, maybe some of them little protein bars or whatever. Yeah, I know when I used to fish a lot, especially during the summer, I don't I don't want anything heavy. I don't want anything sweet. Yeah. I want something that's like I can hurry up and eat it and get back to fishing because if it's but like when we went red fishing the other day, I don't I don't know if I ate breakfast. That, I might have. I don't know, but I might not have eaten breakfast that day and didn't eat until three o'clock. You know, yeah. or two thirty. So it's it's different when you're in that heat all day. It's like you don't want food, but like when it comes to hunting season, I think that's why everybody has snacks. Right? Yeah. Well, hunting, well, you also just you also sitting there too. Yeah. So, um, like the difference between fishing and hunting season is the coffee. I'll I mean I drink my coffee every morning, but when I go and sit in the duck blind, I got a thermos full of coffee and I'm drinking coffee the whole time we're in there because it's delicious and it's cold outside. So one animal that you introduced me to to hunt, which I've lived down here my whole life and didn't know anybody that hunted them was the Nutra. And I wish their fur was more valuable than they are. Cause, yeah, you could make some money if they was. But, like, you want to describe... The best way to describe what a Nutra is, because a lot of times when I say a Nutra, they need to rebrand that animal, first of all. Like, they need to drop that rat. They need to call <laughs> it something else because everybody's like, oh, that's a rat. And I was like... It's the same thing as a rabbit, except the tail's different. <laughs> well, it's, it, it looks like a cross between a rat and a beaver, but um, I don't know. It's delicious. I know that. All I eat is vegetation, so the meat's real clean, real lean. It's actually one of the healthiest meats that you can actually eat. So, so besides you teaching me a bunch of fishing te 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 techniques, I'll get that word one day, um... You've also opened my eyes to um, different music, I should say, than I normally would listen to. You know, like Let It Go. Uh, but <laughs> that's an inside joke there. What are three songs that you will, like, that get you going to hunt or that you would just listen to anytime? Well, I was thinking about that and the, for hunting and fishing. I. I mean, I don't really have any songs that pump me up for that, but except maybe the ones they play on Don Dubuque on Saturday mornings. I don't know if you ever listen to him, but on WWL or 870, I think he's other places too. But on Saturday mornings, at I think it starts at 4 or 5 in the morning, he's got a couple songs on there. He's got like Louisiana Saturday Night, I think he plays. He plays uh, Louisiana Man, used to be, I believe that was uh, Tofield's song when he, when he used to uh, 
when he was around and did that uh, reports in the morning for Don. But pr- pretty much that. I love listening to Don Dubuque. He's got an intro song on there that, that was written for him for his show. That gets me going just because it's talking about Louisiana, talking about hunting with Don Dubuque and all that. It's, I love that. So the reason I was asking you three songs is because I'm making an announcement now. We have started a Spotify playlist. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so basically what I want is three songs from everybody that comes on. And I'm just letting you know, you can't have anything by them old ghost <laughs> or anything by Toefield because it's already on the playlist. <laughs> I can't think of anything that... Uh, I mean, are you looking for songs about hunting? No, it, it just... could be anything. Like, oh, okay. um, so, so, for example, the guest that I'm recording with tomorrow sent me her choices and I'm gonna so like I put like Tofield's music some old school rock mm-hmm. you know just stuff that's like let's go music well some of Tofield stuff not. but then so I sent the playlist to her and I was like hey pick three songs so I get Where I Find God which is cool Man I Feel Like a Woman <laughs> and How Great Are that Are Thou oh wait how great thou art from Vince huh. Gill. But I'm like, I'm like, well, no, this is going to be a very interesting place. So you got two songs we can get some worship in on out there. And then, uh, and then I guess you put a dress on the, uh, shoot some birds. I mean, Hey, if it works. So if you had to add three songs to a playlist, yeah, without trying to, where is my I don't know if you can find that song, Louisiana Man. That's an awesome song. Louisiana Man. We'll put Louis- you said Louisiana Saturday Night, right? Yeah, that's one of them. Put that one on. And then you got to find that song about the Growback. I don't even know what the what the song's called. I don't know if it's called Growback. I don't even know how to spell Growback. <laughs> well, I'm not even sure what a Growback is. I've, there's two different birds that people say it is. What are the two birds? Because I've never one heard is it. a white ibis. I've heard people call it a growback, and then there's another one that's a ah, uh, oh, forget what it's called now. But if you go, to LSU has a like Cajun French dictionary. Yeah, that Cajun French dictionary, yeah. and the growback, and it tells you what what it is on there. And it's not the ibis; it's the other one. But I can't remember what it is right now. Some kind of heron, maybe. I think it yeah. don't, don't shoot a heron either. If you want them. That's no, you can't shoot an ibis either, but there's about a billion of them that fly over where we hunt them uh, Them ducks at. What, what was comical is when we went hunting. Uh, hold on. My wife's texting me right now. So when we went hunting, Chris is all, like, pumped up because he's he's a meat hunter. Like, that dude will shoot anything that's legal to harvest. And he's like, man, this type of rail is open, that type. I was like, dude, I don't even, like, I don't think I've ever seen these rails. (laughs) Actually, well, I mean, you see them all the time. I I think if you've never targeted them, you don't realize what they are. Because we've seen them. Remember I said if we didn't have the dog, we would go walk walk the marsh. Because I think, I don't think you can have the dog hunting with you in the marsh. Only It's a retriever only, not a. I think it's only for duck hunting you can use the dogs on that piece of land. So, um. But now that I've seen that and seen where they are, I want to start targeting them. Because, I mean, you get a couple people, you know, maybe even three or four people, and walk that marsh, you can push them. They'll jump up. It'll be just like 
Get a coon-ass version of hunting a Woodcock. quail or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's definitely... You got to definitely start learning, like, the different birds and all. Cause, what know, is... There's actually this... Four different rail. Four different species of rail in the book, anyway. Two of them have a... I don't remember if it's the same season. I know they got two different bag limits. Okay, yeah. I so I, I'd be okay with that because I would just take the lowest bag limit and then count yeah. them and see and <laughs> just stop there to make sure I didn't mess up you know that that's like when we went um I talked to somebody else I've, I've been talking to a with the with the uh with the podcast I've been reaching out because one of the main feedbacks I had was to have more guests um so I was I've been reaching out to a bunch of people and it's like and believe it or not, I have not been told no by anybody yet. Really? Like, like nobody has been like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. No, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I could have been the first one. You are the first one. Besides Chris. No, no, to say no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, so I everybody said yes, but, you know, you start talking to them and you've been, you know, and of course, like you, I made your itinerary just based on, because we're always hunting and right. fishing together. So for them, it's kind of like, so what do you do exactly? Like, I know you're in the outdoor world, but if you're strictly a fisherman, I'll only stay on fishing because I can do that for hours on end. If you only hunt, I can do that too because it's, you know, I can stay on hunting for hours on end. And then you start talking to people and, and you start talking. It's like, oh, so you, how was your teal season going so far? And they're like, yeah, I haven't shot anything or no. I shot one bird. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of how we've been going. I was like, so one of them, I was like, yeah, let me know how y'all teal season goes. You know, they were making a teal hunt, and they messaged me. They are like, we didn't get anything. I was like. Seems to be going around. No Galadoo. No. <laughs> Nate's the only one I know that killed birds. I, like I said, I know, which, that I don't think he was with Nate, but he was down that way. Like Who's that? Uh, one of the guys oh, I worked okay. with. I think he was actually in Venice on the federal land, mm -hmm. and uh, which is really cool. The federal land is P-Rog in only. So they said, like, you go in there. If you're willing to put the work in, or it's no motorized vessels. Right. And you can't even, like, how we talked about. You can't pull up the motor. Yeah. you got to have yeah. no motor on no it. No motor right. on it. So, so how far away is that from a launch? It's at the mouth of the river. So you got to take a boat to get there? Yeah. And you, then And then, and then get it. out. And then. So what the people I know that used to hunt it years ago used to have big steel haul shrimp boats. And they would take them between thank was it no christmas and new year's i think they would leave christmas day leave from lafitte go around to the mouth of the river anchor the field hall out right by the edge of the right the preserve or reserve whatever federal lands down there and then in the morning they just climb off in the pirogs go push pole in man and, that would be awesome and then they would go hunt hogs and all kind of stuff down there and if you got a 50 foot trip boat with ice with ice boxes for shrimp so they would just load right. it all down so but they said there'd be like 15 or 20 of them from down here that would do that every year and i'm like but they're like yeah we used to have birds back then and i was like that's probably why we don't have as many birds we have yeah. <laughs> but um i think what they went to a three-day possession limit now because it used to be two yeah i don't know i, didn't, I have i gotta look at the book but uh but i know like where we hunt the possession limit isn't a thing for us. No. Because well, it's not like if we kill a limit of birds, we're we're not gonna have we're not gonna camp out where we hunt 
for three days. Right, but the possession limit is still in your yeah. freezer, even in uh, your house. Yeah, well, I don't have that issue. Because... I don't have that issue because I don't shoot that many birds. I'll <laughs> literally, <laughs> by the time I eat them all, be, you know, I don't live in here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know German. I want to learn somebody, uh, not learn, I want to talk to somebody. Cut all of that out. <laughs> no, no, that's all staying in. You don't realize. This is unedited. You get to see all of the glory of <laughs> what it's like. English is tough sometimes. Yeah. So, um, but I want to talk to somebody from Texas because from what I understand with Texas's possession limit, like once you get it here, it don't count anymore. Once hmm. it's in the freezer, it doesn't count as like a possession anymore. Unless I'm wrong, but I'm pretty... I, I think Louisiana is, they can come in and count birds. Yeah, I think and, it's three three day limit or, you know, whatever it is. So, I knew a guy that he had went out to the camps, either in West Wego or um, Whiskey Canal, one of them down there, and they had killed some ducks, like, you know, it was during duck season, but it, this they went down there for, like, a get-together or something, mm-hmm. like somebody's birthday, because... That's what Bayou people do. They go to camp that has no running water or electricity. If I had a camp, I'd always be down there. So, but we talked. We were talking about it, and he's like, yeah, I didn't think about it. I cleaned the birds to get them to cook, and a, a squall came up, and a bunch of people tried to hurry up and leave before the squall. Mm. So we didn't cook all the birds. Well, not thinking, you live out there, you know, or you're out there, you don't want to leave anything in the freezer. Right. Because a, a gen- gust of no, wind. Is that generator or is it full power out there? So some of the camps I know for sure uh, on the West Wego Canal has power. Because that's the big selling point of the West Wego Canal. What, a lot call, of them what have, you calling the West Wego Canal? Bayou Sinet. Oh, okay. The, the main canal. Um, Whiskey Canal. Hold on one second. I'll scold my dog. But, yeah, so like I was saying, the West Wego or Bayou Signet, Bayou Signet is, that's one of the big selling points is electricity. I know the Whiskey Canal is all generator power. I'm trying to think, because I don't think my buddies... Well, no, it might be. I don't know. I know but, they got power lines close by there, so I guess it would make sense. But yeah, so that's one of them things. It's like, you don't want to leave anything out there, because even being that far out in the marsh, it's not like here, your power goes out, it might be out for four hours. Right. It could be four months that it... I mean, I think it took them like six months after Ida to get power back to like Bayou Gosh the camps in Bayou Gosh Mm -hmm. and the marsh so but yeah so he got so he's bringing them back not thinking get stopped by a game warden nice no identical no identical uh, identifiable marks on the birds because it it was ready to put in the fryer or whatever yeah he's supposed to have a wing on and uh and they got him for over the possession because he had like 22 of them and because he had right it was pool dew, not ducks. So they got them for 22. Mm. Hold on one second. So they they got him for over the limit of ducks. And he was like, and his lawyer was like, oh, no, they have to prove it was ducks. And he's like, well, how do they're going to say I have to prove? He's like, no, you're innocent till proven guilty. Mm-hmm. They have to prove. Now he says the unidentifiable duck or bird. Yeah, you're, you got to take that list. They said, but over the limit, you ain't got to. Because right. that's the difference between losing a license, you know, losing your license for three years and just getting, like, a $25 per bird fine. And uh, so he went to court and fought it. He was like, y'all need to prove it. 
and they did a DNA test on these birds oh, to make prove sure. It. <laughs> and he said they were all pool dew, but I was like, the fact that they did DNA tests to prove that these were birds. Hey, man. Got to protect the resources. Yeah, and I mean, so. So anything you want to touch on? I know you, you got a podcast. and you wanna... Yep, I got a, uh, I think I got two episodes out. Well, I did two. Well, actually, I do a live podcast. I try to record mine. Usually, it's going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday nights. Uh, I'll announce it on my Facebook page or my Instagram or even YouTube. I'll put it as a uh, thing on there. That just depends on my work schedule. And then I'll uh, release it. I think I might release them Mondays the following week. Uh, right now, it's on Tuesdays. But I have two out right now, and I'm going to be recording another one tomorrow. Yeah. Um. And this is another little announcement that starts... Next, well, you're hearing this this week that we're recording. I'm recording tomorrow for the following week's podcast, but whenever I have a guest that's out of state or that's far enough away that I have to do a Zoom um, call with, I'm actually going to start uploading the Zoom calls onto YouTube. So you'll, if you want to watch it, because you may wind up seeing other things that are going on, you know, or at least get to see their rea- facial reactions, and I'm at a, I'm a lot of Italian blood in me, so I talk with my hands. So I'm very. Aren't, can't you put the videos on a uh, Spotify too now? Yeah, yeah. Sp- oh, yeah. So yeah, if Have you want to watch it on that. Spotify, I'm gonna do it on Spotify also. But I'm not gonna do it live. I thought about doing it live, but it's kind of like, you know, it's disheartening when you like. I put it out there, and I'm like, let's see what it does. And then when you watch it live, you're like, oh. hey, don't don't be watching who's watching you. I think my last one had four people and not all at the same time. So it was like, just don't look at it. I mean, that's almost as good as my uh, short of uh, what I did when we went duck hunting the next day or the, that that day. Oh, that little live clip. that little live clip I did just to go live on Instagram. <laughs> so, so anything else that you're excited for? Oh man, I'm looking forward to hunting season. Looking for that cool weather. Tired of this heat. Yeah, it's it's been brutal. I mean, well, when the Tuesday when I don't know when we went hunt. Look, I work shift work, so the day. Yeah, me too. So y- yesterday know. was today, and Wednesday was Thursday, and like, I don't know Monday through Friday. I know A shift, B yeah. shift, and C shift. That's what I know. <laughs> so anyway, when we went duck hunting, it was chi- it was chilly that morning. It was chilly when you were running, maybe, yeah. but yeah, it was dry. That was a difference. The temperature yeah. temperature was a little lower, but that dry air, I mean, we just been suffering with that humidity all freaking summer. I mean, I had that uh, that Badlands, cool, that cooling shirt on me, and it was like, this is brutal. <laughs> and then this week, we might hit a uh, record heat, so yay. Yeah, and I, I think that's... Like, like Mississippi did that velvet season, and I know y'all have heard about this velvet season a bunch, but it's like, and I've seen deer harvested. Like, I've seen four or five nice deer just thumbing through Instagram, but it's like. They don't feel like hunting season. Yeah, it, and just it's too hot. My thing is, so it's, it's bow only, right? Well, even in early bow season, that it's like, I don't like to hunt it just because if you put, let's say, a low a liver shot on a deer you're supposed to wait four to six hours or you think you put a liver shot let's say and you actually hit him in the heart well he ran off and died so 
you're supposed to wait four to six hours on a liver shot to let him bleed out. So you wait four to six hours, you find him, and his meat could be spoiled in 80-degree yeah. weather. And that's just something I, I can't see harvesting, a, harvesting any animal and not taking it. And I know you're looking at me like, y'all did that. I tried to give me birds the other day. Yeah, y'all took it, but y'all wanted to give them away. No, I, t- I told Chris, I was like, look, I really, because I'm the only one that eats them. So it's not like I need 11 birds. The guy we went was like, oh, I still got ducks in the freezer from last year. Y'all can take them. And I was like, uh-huh. You want to people that don't want to eat Galladay? I see how it is. And people that shoot and don't want to eat. So I was like, I'll take them. But you, he said, he, he's like, oh, I'll take them. I was like, I just want the gizzards out of them. And I should have took the hearts too, but I was deliriously tired. I had done... I'd been that the morning before I was up at three thirty, and then the day before that I'd got off a night shift and stayed up until ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, you all jacked up. And it, so, like by the third day of or the second day of hunting, and I had to get up at one in the morning. When I when I got back to Chris's house, I was like, I don't feel like cleaning birds at all. No, I guess not. <laughs> like it took everything in me to finish cleaning them gizzards, like. But that's something that... How do you feel about that? Let's talk about that, is breasting a bird out. Hmm. I don't know. That's how I was taught to do it. Well, let me let me rephrase that. When I was younger, that my grandpa's camp that I talked about we had in Mississippi, we had wood ducks flying to the pond, and we'd go shoot those wood ducks. I, I wouldn't really call that wood... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call that duck hunting because we just... It was just, you know... Yeah. shooting light cane you just pop 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 out and you pick the ducks up and went back to the camp and um they i remember my uncle plucking feathers and all of that and i guess i just kind of forgot all about that and then when i went duck hunting with you know my partners that's pretty much what they do is just brush them out might keep the gizzards or whatever and then that that's it that's what i think most people do so i don't know i tried last year plucking a bird and that is some that's some work. So um, so they make duck pluckers. Well, you should buy us one. Uh, I'm hopefully... Look, y'all need to go subscribe, tell friends, you know. And look, I always say this pyramid scheme thing. You tell two friends, they tell That's two right. friends. And eventually, I'll be able to afford a duck plucker. But He'll get sponsored by somebody <laughs> who'll give you one. Yeah. So, but, uh, they, so they make a few different types of duck pluckers or aids to help you pluck ducks. Um, some of them are wax. Like, right. you dip it in wax. Yep. Once it hardens, you peel it away. It's like a woman waxing her legs, I guess. You know, you yeah, rip no, I've, it. I've seen it done. Um, And then they had, um, I've seen them, the one that looks like a washing machine with uh, rubber fingers on the inside. Mm-hmm. And you throw it in there, and you pull the bird out. And then they make one that's a belt sander with a rubber belt on oh, it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and from what I've been told, if you if a bird slips out of your hand... It's going. <laughs> One last flight. And uh, another topic that I like to talk is, uh, you know, like you bring somebody hunting into a spot, your spot, or fishing or whatever. How do you feel about seeing them there, you know, the following year or a couple? Did you... I don't own that water. Well, okay, because... A lot of people are like, oh, no, that's that's the spot I found. I... It ain't yours. That's how I look at it. It ain't mine. 
So if it ain't my private land, then I, you know, you more than welcome. You know, to it. I'm not like that. I mean, I'm not gonna go talking about specific spots on social media, you know, to where one day there's a hundred billion boats there. Yeah. Uh, because they saw you catch fish. A lot of people like that. They'll search and and see you caught fish in a spot, and then everybody's in that one spot. But as far as like, I'll go to the marina. Somebody asks me if they biting, or even out on the water, they see me fishing right there. I'm like. They ask me if they're catching anything. I'm gonna tell them what I caught. They ask me what I'm biting. They biting on. I'm gonna tell them. Look, they got room right next to me. Put this on. Yeah. You know, because I've had, I've had struggles out there when guys did that to me. They, you know, they. I had one guy. I was out in my kayak out of uh, Myrtle Grove, and uh, I wasn't catching nothing. I'm watching him pull out trout after trout, and he's like, "Hey, you gotta use this." He came over there, gave me hooks and the bait and everything, and told me what the fish. And I started catching them. I'm like, all right. Yeah, and that's. I mean. So the way the way I look at it, if you do the time and work and the effort, like you could go look at the video and y'all probably never figure out where we are with the kayaks when you almost killed me, or the heat almost killed me that day. Yeah, don't blame it on me. <laughs> but uh, so I don't. I wouldn't go there without. Well, I might go there without you, but I don't think I would bring somebody else and show them without asking you first. Yeah, and that's just because. You, I'm sure somebody might have told you, or you might have did the time and the work to find that area. No, I got taken out there. Okay, well, so the people who took me there don't uh aren't here anymore. So no, well, I mean they're still alive. No, that's, <laughs> <laughs> they just they just moved away. Uh, yeah. So and now or like if for example like in the game reserve, there's so much water out there that if there's a pond, I know you hunt regularly. I'm not gonna go post up in that pond unless I, you know. Like, I might go post up in another pond or across the way or something like that. But, look, honestly, there's certain areas in the game reserve I could tell you where we are. And But, like, this year with the vegetation the way it was, I don't know if I could. if Without a GPS, I don't know if I could have got you around. Yeah, it, it looks different almost every year. It changes a little bit just because of the way the lilies move. And then with the diversion coming through there, you'll get channels sometimes mm-hmm. cut. and But... I mean, we did see some clear water, which was pretty cool. I've never seen that in South Louisiana like that. Yeah, like, I mean, at least two, three feet down. And uh, this, the next day, we were, I'm sitting there, we're all, they're all looking for birds, and I'm looking in the water at the fish and all swimming because it's, <laughs> it's crystal, I mean, the water's clear too. But at one point, and I hope the GoPro got it good, there's an, there's like a six foot alligator that is just swimming underneath. That's and I'm cool. like, I'm like, I hope I got that because that, that was awesome. But, well, y'all go. I'll leave Vinny's links in the show note. I don't, do you have a link tree? Yes. I'll put his link tree because that's the easiest way to do it. There you go. Um, I'll, put, I'll have my link tree. We have uh, pretty much all social media. I think you do too. Mm-hmm. So you can find us somewhere. Um, a lot of times you'll see me. I'll repost his videos, especially the one with how to take a bird nest out of a bait caster. <laughs> <laughs> So, like I said, y'all thank a veteran because they allow us to do what we do. And I hope to catch you on the B-side of the outdoors.